Broncos All-Decade Tackle Orlando Franklin. Two-time All-Pro linebacker Chad Brown. Former Broncos tight end and New York Times bestselling author Nate Jackson. 1043 The Fan welcomes you into the Players Club. Downtown, walking fast, faces past, and I'm homebound. Stand back, we have just making my way, making a way through the crowd. And I need you, and I miss you, and now I wonder. There's a lot to wonder about there, my friend. <laughs> you, if you could all see the lead-in to that. It's, it's like, hold, hold, hold on, this is my moment. <laughs> this is my <laughs> moment, It's baby. Friday, baby. It's Kyle Reese, Orlando Franklin, sitting in in the Players Club. I have to tell you, the first time I did the Franklin Club, I had a, uh, uh, the Players Club, I had a flashback to the 90s and Ice Cube and I said, man, I'm going to do the Players Club. Let me go to the uh, ATM, get my cash ready, get a couple ones. And I came in, and it was, it's not what I expected. It's not It's, it's not that kind of party. <laughs> it's a little early, Kyle. It's a little early. You know, uh, we do this show from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. You know, I feel like you, you got to get the ones in the, in the p.m. hours, okay. right? I All mean, right. if it was 9 p.m. to 11 p.m., absolutely. I'm, yeah. I'm catching your drift. At least wait till sundown, brother. <laughs> How's life, man? Good, man. Good. Got up this morning, you know, hanging out with the kids. Go back to school next week, right? Our, my oh. oldest, my five-year-old. So this week we kind of pulled them out of, like, all camps and just family time, right? And, yeah. hey, what do you guys want to do each and every day? So looking forward to grabbing them after this show. We're going to go to Mustard's Last Stand. They, they love hot dogs. That's Listen, and it is a last stand. So I, I checked my, my five-year-old into a kindergarten on Monday, I believe it was. Nice. And uh, if I told you I would, I didn't get teary-eyed, I'd be lying to you. Yeah. <laughs> it's tough, man. Hey. It's a tough thing to do. Maybe we can get some help from the text line. How do you power through the first day of kindergarten when they're finally in school for till 3.30 in the afternoon? They're five days a week. It's it's a different transition, man. So um, Zaid, our oldest, has been in Montessori since he was 18 months old. And then he, the last two years, he's been at Rick's uh, on DU's campus. And you know that's been a kind of all-day thing. But now it's kindergarten, right? There are different milestones that are accomplished in kindergarten from kind of, you know, paying or, you know, hanging out with these big somewhat daycare centers. So mm. um, it's going to be interesting. Uh, th- thankfully for me next week, Kyle, I'll be doing uh, the Players Club and the morning show. So I'll miss the first day of school. Okay. So I'll miss those teary eyes. Okay. All right. You'll, <laughs> you'll just be crying in the studio. <laughs> Speaking of transition and going to school even, uh, the Broncos wrapped up. What was the... Last few practices open to the public and essentially what is mini camp or summer camp or fall camp or professional camp, whatever we're calling it. And now they're preparing themselves for the second preseason game hosting the San Francisco 49ers. Your takeaways from the camp this week. Uh, you know, this is it. Rubber meets the road here, Orlando. Um, it was nice to see a, a natural progression. You know, that that's what I took away from this camp. There was a certain structure to it where it all really made sense from a viewer's eye. You know, okay, uh, I remember last week specifically, at the end of the week before they had get, getting ready to play against Arizona, the last open practice, 
And then in practice, there's always a drill to compete that Sean Payton has done in training camp. But what he did that specific day, I think it was Wednesday, was, hey, we're going to do a two-minute drill, but it's the threes that are going to do this two-minute drill. Well, the threes are probably going to get a two-minute drill in the game against Arizona, right, to go try to win it, right? So it just made sense. But, hey, uh, the ones and twos, you guys are not going to do two-minute because we've been doing that throughout the course of training camp. Instead of you guys doing a two-minute drill during this period, we're going to work like the high red area. So we're going to continue to perfect our craft. And, you know, it's all about scoring touchdowns, right? we got to be efficient when we go down there. So for me, when I look at, like, just a general overview of the whole thing, Kyle, it, it, the camp had a, a lot of great structure, and it, it made sense as far as what they were out there doing and what they were trying to accomplish each and every day. Was, yesterday as well, I, I thought yesterday was about the run game, which transitions now. You're getting ready to play one of the better defensive lines and O-lines against the 49ers this weekend. So I thought yesterday the Broncos were able to steal a day in their preparation for the 49ers this weekend. When you throw a curveball like that, hey, threes, you guys are going to do, do the two-minute drill. Is that keeping guys on their toes? Is that making sure guys are prepared for an opportunity? Is that giving them an opportunity? Like, What is the message in that from Sean Payton? I think it's all the above. I think it's no one single message. I think you're giving guys an opportunity to open up your eyes. Everybody's there. You're fresh. Now you're leading off the drill. I think you are, you know, creating an opportunity for guys to say, hey, I belong with the twos. I don't belong with the threes. Like, I've been balling, coach. Mm. But also, you're giving guys, like, a, another kind of, another day where they're looking at the situation where we're going to give you all these reps because you might get this in the game. So you're going to get an opportunity in the game to go out there and try to be crisp and go win this football game for us. So I think it's really all the above. It's no really not really one th- reason why you do that. As the saying goes, there's no such thing as luck. It's only preparation meeting opportunity. Uh, you know, one thing I thought was super interesting is that camp has really been in the eye of the beholder this week. I saw you, I believe that was Wednesday, yeah. and we talked about it. I said, Orlando, I, I thought they were crisp today, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I really liked what Troutman was doing. Uh, I liked what they got accomplished in the in the passing game, and, and we talked for a few minutes, and, and that was that. But then I get in my car, and I turn on the radio, and the first thing Brandon Stokely says, it was an absolute disaster. Huh. And, so, so it's, and then Chad gets on and, and, and talks with uh, uh, Matt yesterday and says, yeah, I thought it was pretty good, too. And so it's really in the eye of the beholder. Different people are paying attention to different things. What did your eye behold? Did you think, do you land in the middle of some of these statements? And, and how do you feel about it overall? Yeah, so the former player and us, you know, we tend to have to beat it out of our heads that we, hey, you can't watch just the offensive line. I promise you this, guy. It doesn't matter when I'm at training camp, how many training camp practices I go to. The first thing that I'm going to check out when I'm there is the offensive line. My eyes are just going to gravitate right there. After they finish stretch, I watch the offensive line run to the other field and the other end zone, right? I'm not looking at the wide receivers. I could care less because that's just what I've been all my life. So when you look at like a guy like Brandon Stokely, and the wide receivers weren't catching the balls or the tight ends or the guys, yeah, it's not a, that great of a practice, right? If you look at Chad, if they're sacks, Chad's going to love practice, right? Where, so I think it's, it's all of, it's so hard for the ex professional athlete to really kind of look at it from an overview. I have to like coach myself and say, Oh, like 
one-on-ones are going on, but you probably should be watching seven-on-seven. Right. Like, like right. that's probably a little bit more important. Right. Like, like, who the heck cares about one-on-ones? Because even when you were a player, you didn't really care about one-on-ones. <laughs> right? So seven-on-seven is a lot more interesting in this situation. So for me, I, I'm constantly forcing myself and reminding myself to, hey, take your eyes somewhere else right now in this situation. Is it a, um, golly, do you do you find yourself? Golly, I haven't heard yeah, yeah, that but, one in a while. Yeah, well, well, well the okay. problem is the problem is for me is that you can find you can find yourself because we want to know your opinion about the offensive line and defensive line, right? Because yeah. that's your expertise and that's why you're sitting in this chair, right? But it, do you find yourself having to will yourself to watch one on ones with the receivers, having to will yourself to watching the linebacker drills? Like, is this something that's kind of a, a Forced task for you. Yeah, so one-on-ones, wide receivers, DBs, I try to not really watch that at all. So if there's something else that I find interesting going on in the field, that's what I'm going to watch. Um, because that's a, I think that that's a handcuffed situation. Just, But I think it's mismatch offense way, right? At what point does a wide receiver know that this cornerback has me one-on-one and there's no over-the-top help? You never really know that. You know that you might have your one-on-one, but you don't know if there's going to be safety over the top help in situations. Unless the team is going out all-out blitz, so it might happen 1% of the time. Just like defense alignment, when they go one-on-ones, it's a handcuff drill for offense alignment. You know that we're not sliding the protection to you. You know that there's no chip help. The tight end's not beside me. You just know that, hey, it's, it's just me against you in this situation. And that never happens in the course of a game. So I won't really gravitate to kind of one-on-ones. But for me, it's about learning the entire game and watching like a new head coach. Knowing Sean Payton's going to call the system, I want to watch his concepts and see if he's running high-low concepts or it's about the speed. And and he believes in these guys to expose the defense with their natural just ability because they might be faster or more athletic than the person that they're going against. So for me, it's like, yeah, I'm not really interested in one-on-ones and I might have to will myself to take my eyes away from the offensive line. But at the same time, the football player in me wants to educate myself about the game. So it, it comes kind of naturally as well with progressing to kind of look at the overview of practice and what's going on on the back end just rather than between the offense and defensive line. No doubt. Either way is designed to compete, right? Uh, and that's being instituted in a different way than what we saw last year. And hopefully that will manifest itself when the Broncos go to San Francisco. I misspoke uh, about them hosting uh, and, and for their preseason second matchup. We will talk a little bit more about competition and why Sean Payton believes that the preseason is important to walk away with the W. It's that on the other side of the break. Players Club. Say my name, say my name. No one is around you. Say baby, I love you. You've been admitted VIP entry into the Players Club with Orlando Franklin, Chad Brown, and Nate Jackson. You listen to this show at all, you know that uh, there is a wide range of musical taste. It's Friday, baby. Guilty yeah, no, Friday. No doubt. We play all all the hits. Look text it. us, text us some of the favorites. We'll try to get you on. But yeah, it's, it's Friday, baby. This is this is how the Players Club rocks, man. When I first sat down with Chad, man, and he rocked that Billy Ocean. Mm. Now, see, I'm an 80s baby, and I, I like Billy Ocean, right? So yeah. it didn't take me off guard. But for some people, right, I could see that being off-putting a little bit. Listen, I'm an 80s baby, too. And I promise you this, Kyle. If you go through my cell phone, you're going to see a couple 90s and 80s playlists on my phone. 
Never really dove into the Billy Ocean until I jumped on this show, and that was something that they were already doing. And I was like, oh, this is okay. This is good. Here we go. And then, you know, I you know, do a little research behind the scenes to make sure Chad and Nate didn't realize that I didn't really know too much about Billy Ocean. <laughs> so I had to catch up a little bit, you know? Oh, man. Now, and growing up in Toronto, right, I'm sure there's plenty of different exposures to music and And culture. I play off as a line, dog. You better listen to it all. Yeah. You know, that's the group that's going to have the most amount of white guys on the team. Mm. You better listen to some rock and roll. You better learn some country. You better even, at the barbecues in college, there will be some heavy metal that's even played at times. So you, you better learn how to listen to all genres of music. And, you know, just growing up with my mom, my mom was like the, the R&B, the, the jazz, the, the old school reggae. And they you all know, on Sundays, we used to wake up and clean the house. So my mom would have the music and the CD player blasting throughout the house while we were cleaning up. And, you know, for me, that's something that I, I guess, like leaving my family at a young age, because I haven't lived in the same household as my mom since I was 14 years old. So I guess like that was like a, a miss my family type of thing. It was a comfort thing. So listening to music, thinking about those Sundays and thinking about the family and things like that, where now I'm, I'm a whole grown, grown up. And yeah, if you walk into my house, you're going to hear some 80s and 90s We've music. We've got the same type of throwdown on Sunday mornings. We're getting after it. There are certain things that are synonymous, right? You, you, you think about football and a football locker room being the ultimate melting pot and uh, just the cultures and, and, and different backgrounds that go into that. Um, the Broncos, man, it, it's it's definitely a mix of different guys. Obviously, they were trying to bring in pieces that can help instantly get this thing back on the rails, right? When we go to San Francisco and we're looking for things to improve from last week, what are some things that are at the front of your mind that we need to see this thing get back on the rails quick, fast, and in a hurry? Um, just a disconnect. I want to. I want to see less drop balls. I want to see more guys engaged in the route concepts and running to win. You know, there is a reason why there's five options on each and every pass play. Three of those options, in my opinion, Kyle, can't go out there and show you that they're not the first, second, or third read. You know what I mean? Like, you got to run to win every single time. So, for me, that's what I'll be watching tomorrow night. When, you know, Jerry Judy's not getting the ball, does he look like he's running off the line of scrimmage that he might be getting the ball? So, I'm, I'm looking at this from, like, a overview type of thing, and he might not get the ball but this is going to make this team that much better. When you could stress the heck out of a defense and that defender that's in front of you believes that you are running that route to win and, hey, that he, now he might be peeking in the backfield trying to, you know, see if he could get an interception or something like that. And you might catch him slipping and get a real explosive and turn into a touchdown. So I'm looking for all 11 guys going out there and just busting their hump each and every play. It's max effort, right? Yeah. These guys run into the ball. I always tell guys, when you run to the football, good things happen. Right. Absolutely. Even as an offensive lineman, I've heard you I talk about four fumble recoveries. Yeah. I got four fumble recoveries in this league, in the NFL. I have a, I have a, uh, a strip in the open field from an interception where we got the ball back. Right. So, which could have been a backbreaking play when I was playing with the Chargers. Like they could have ended the game. They were up by three, four minutes left. Philip Rivers throws an interception. We don't talk about those I, days, Orlando. I know, but I'm, <laughs> I just happened to be 20 yards down the field okay. trying to make a tackle, was able to strip it. Smack right. It, so it. It, it's just balls to the wall when you're out there and in the, in the frame of the play 
right? It's only like five seconds. They break down. One time I saw, I saw they broke down like an NFL game. And the whole entire time, like from start to finish, whistle to whistle, it's like three and a half minutes or something like that. But yeah. it's max effort. It's, it's, it's going out there each and every time and saying, for these four seconds, I'm going to give you everything that I got. And if you're an offensive lineman, that ball's thrown and that internal clock goes up. Get down the field. Great things could happen. You could clean up somebody on the pile. You could go get the first down. The ball pops up. You, you scoop it up. If there's a fumble, you might just be able to make a tackle because guess what? If the defense gets a fumble in the open field, it is hard when you're 330 pounds, dog. Everybody yeah, on that defense is faster than you, right. a little bit quicker, and they're looking to knock you out as well. So if you could get down the field and stop that momentum before it gets going, it only benefits the team. Yeah, the other thing that happens is when you get caught on film running your 330 pound behind down the field, guys are looking for you, right? They're going to be conscious of you uh, running down the field looking for guys to clean up. You, you, you know, Sean Payton has, has changed a lot culture-wise. And it's not the overall philosophy throughout the NFL that winning in the preseason is super important. I I was doing some research and I went back and saw an article that said the Steelers at one point were one in nine in 10 preseason games. And we all know the success that the Steeler franchise has had. So they have not put so much importance on winning in the in the preseason. But apparently Sean Payton thinks it's important. And uh, he told us such the other day. It does matter. And it's a mindset. You have to be able to get the evaluations done, but it would have been a better feeling last week, you know, if, if we had won that game, and I probably would have been a little cheerier in the postgame presser. So I think it matters. Your thoughts? Oh, 100%. Um, you, you know how it is, Kyle. You, you coach high school ball. Aren't you a little bit more happier after a win? No matter like, what. Yeah. yeah. It, it doesn't matter at whatever level. Heck, I go out there and watch my kids play little soccer, kicking around at the YMCA, where everybody's getting a participation trophy. But guess what? Dad's keeping score. <laughs> you know, yeah. after a loss, I'm like, oh, dang, you know, next time in my head, right? But I'm still at yeah, cherry and stuff like that. But in the back of my mind, I'm still remembering that we just lost that thing, right? Right. So for me, it's when you win, Everything's better. You feel like you accomplished something. And I think that, you know, Sean Payton was kind of alluding to the fact of how they lost the football game as well. Understanding that situation. Do you score right there? Do you go down right there? You know, do you want to be able to run out the clock a little bit more or defense? You can't let up. You can't let up under a minute to go. Right. And, you know, unfortunately, you could start creating an identity. That was the first opportunity to go out there as a football team this year and you lost and you lost in a certain fashion where it was a last play, like last minute, right? It came down to the wire. Well, we don't want to create that here we go again mentality, right? And that's kind of what, if you talk to, depending on, you, you talked about it earlier, right? Depending on who you talked to about training camp, they look differently. Well, depending on who you talk to about last week's game, there are people out here, unfortunately, that think, here we go again. Yeah, Sean Payton didn't change anything. And it's a preseason game. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I think all these things affect. But what, I mean, you tell me, though. What, what do you think about it? I, winning is important. Listen, I think there's a, a competitive culture, right, that says this is not even a game-to-game thing. This is a period-to-period thing, even in practice, right? Did we win last period? Right? Did we get the things that we want to accomplish done in last period? Did we win in team? Did we win in seven on seven? Those things, I believe, translate and can be contagious. So, yeah, I, I would agree with Sean Payton, but I can also take 
the Steelers as an example and say, man, they've got a formula that works too. That's one thing that I've but learned. But that's a veteran team though, they, right? Okay. Like, 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 so Baltimore, right? Baltimore hasn't lost a, a preseason game in however many games, right? But that's also a playoff team. They they have the quarterback situation figured out. This has um, been Roethlisberger at the time. This yeah. was a little older article. Yeah, but you're so, right. You know, you look at the Steelers. Okay, Big Ben, right? You have, like, your cornerstone in the face of the franchise, but you also have some veteran guys that know how to do it. With the Broncos now, it, it for me, I think it's Sean Payton kind of instilling this mentality because it is a new head coach. There are question marks as, as far as Russell Wilson. There really isn't no leadership on that offense. Everybody is kind of like, hey, how do we do this thing? How, what's coaching going to allow us to do? And you look at the defense, there's a couple guys, but there's still a lot of question marks surrounding those guys. So I think that it's just different when you look at a veteran team, a team that's a little bit more established, a team that has their quarterback situation figured out. Yeah, maybe it matters, maybe it doesn't. But when you're trying to change the culture, and it's been a losing culture with the Broncos for many, many years, I think at that point, you know, everything matters. It's who the heck is going to seize the opportunity on the threes to go out there and win the game for us because – Young fella, you might make this football team because of it. And we're trying to create competition anywhere possible. And with the Broncos the last couple of years, they've been decimated with draft picks because trading for Russell Wilson, trading for Sean Payton. Right? We haven't had a first-round picker here for the last couple of years. Sounds like to me that you're saying everything matters. Right? Everything, everything matters. Right matters. now, with, with where the Broncos are at, everything matters. Absolutely. No doubt. Hey, when we come back on the other side of the break, one of our favorite times of the morning, the morning mixtape. You won't want to miss this. It's the Players Club. The Players Club welcomes you into the morning mixtape with a look at the biggest stories in Denver sports. Here's Orlando, Chad, and Nate. Oh, man. You, 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 you start up the nostalgia in me, John. <laughs> I got some days, man, where I had to uh, keep it down low because they was cussing too much, right? Mom would knock on that door. Well, turn it, turn it down. OPV? What? What are we yeah, talking you know about? Me. Yeah, <laughs> naughty by nature, man. It's been a uh, it's been a wonderful camp. I'm enjoying doing the show with you. There's obviously a ton of perspectives that I love gathering. Uh, the morning mixtape is one of those things that I listen to that I really enjoy that you guys do. So I'm honored to do it today. We're going to kick it off. And uh, Adam Schefter came on the other day, and he had a few things that was that were on his chest that he uh, he fired off. Man, let's listen to it. These are mistakes. These are mistakes. Mike Shanahan is a Hall of Famer. He's just not in the Hall of Fame. He belongs in the Hall of Fame. He should have been in before. He's not in now. He's going to get in. He's going to get in. Well, let's just wait. Make them wait to 2024 or 2026 or 2020 until the judges of the game, the arbiters of the truth, get to issue that pass to go to the hall. Like, okay, give me a break, Adam. Man, 
coming with truth, man. He, and he was upset about it to the Hall of Fame. Is it skewed? Is it is this a corrupted process? Where are you at on this, Orlando? I don't think it's a corrupted process at all. Um, first of all, we got to remember, Shefty's got his start here in Colorado, right? So he's going to know who Mike Shanahan is. He's going to understand what Mike Shanahan has done for the game of football. And there is nobody that covers the NFL better right now, in my opinion, than Adam Schefter. So he's in these training camps. He's grinding it out. He's seeing these offensive coordinators run the same exact Zach offense or a variation of the Shanahan offense. There's been so much success that has happened since Mike Shanahan has been an offensive coordinator and a head coach in the National Football League in this scheme. And he's an innovator. Me, yeah. For me, w- whether it's good or bad, right now, running backs are dealing with the, oh, they want to pay us. Well, you, Mike Shanahan kind of started that. Oh, yeah, when, yeah. when you, hey, CP, you go out there and run, run wild, I'm going to trade you. Get a Hall of uh, Fame corner yeah, for it. I'm going to go get a Hall of Fame corner, but we're not going to miss a beat on offense the next year without you in that room. Hey, Ruben Jones, we're going to move you from fullback to running back. Guess what? You're going to run for a thousand for us. At the running back position, and then we're going to trade you the following year. You're going to Cleveland. See you later, right? You'll never do it again. Exactly, right? (laughs) So Mike has done it over and over and over again and changed the game. But for me, it all comes down to Kyle. Why wouldn't the NFL make him wait when his own team and organization made him wait? Oh, cold-blooded. Oh, man. So that that that's the harsh reality of it. Yes or no question. Mike's a Hall of Famer? Absolutely. All right. Ab- absolutely. So um, let's get it done. But at the same time, I think that Mike is suffering because of kind of what the Broncos end up doing to him and not putting him in that ring of fame when he should have been in that ring of fame the day he was eligible. A media-driven process. On the on story two, Tua checked some of the media during press conference earlier this week. Tua Tunka Vailoa had this to say. Give you guys a play, and then if you guys want to repeat it after me, as if you guys were in the huddle, you guys can. All right. Should I go once or twice saying it? Once. Once? All right. We got North Right, Clamp, South Fox, H-Top, Pass 38, Top Gumby, XP, Sweat. Let's go. Anyone? I got North Right, North Right, Clamp. I got Sounds like a false start. <laughs> yeah, sounds, sounds like a pre-snap penalty to me. Oh, my gosh. Now, we've heard guys do this in, in the past years. Uh, Deshaun Watson did this in a press conference a few years ago. He basically tested the football acumen of the media members and basically, hey, you guys are oversimplifying this thing. We have a lot to do here. Respect. what Put some respect on it. Hmm. Do you have a problem with Tua checking the media? No. I, I think it's great anytime you could kind of peel back the lens and really experience or understand what an NFL player is going through or even a basketball player, hockey player, whatever the case. Anytime you can get that insider information and the inside scoop, great. You know, people don't realize that you don't just call a play purple. Let's run purple. Like, there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes of purple, right? You know, what Tua is saying in this, he's talking about a certain formation that you're going to break the huddle, get to the line of scrimmage. Then he's talking about the motions that are going to happen. Then he talks to the running back specifically. Then he talks to the past 38 gumbo. That's the offensive line and the protection that they're running. And the run play off of that, right? It's a hard play action. And then now, at the end, he's talking about the concepts, talking to the wide receivers, the tight ends that are out there. Like, this thing, you don't just throw this thing together. This thing is a little harder than what you think. Now, to different people in the huddle, it sounds differently. Now, the quarterback, you know, good luck for you because you got to remember all that because as a, a, a offensive lineman, all I'm hearing is blah, 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 past 38 gumbo, blah, 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 on one. 
you know, as a wide receiver, you might hear, you know, uh, gun clamps out, all this, blah, blah, blah. You know, and then you'll hear a couple key words at the end. So for the other 10 guys, you get to pick and choose what you're listening to in the huddle. Quarterback position, you got to know it all. Better not. Contrary to many's belief, these are not just a bunch of meatheads out there on the football field. Yeah. Football field. Randy Gregory takes being last year's big free agent signing and wants to hold up on his end of the bargain. This is what he had to say. It's always been big for me. I think, uh, you know, my thing is fulfilling my end of the, the agreement. And, um, you know, a big part of that is being able to be available and be healthy. So, you know, a lot of that's been off season, just like I said, rehabbing, uh, making sure that's good on that end. And, yeah, I, I truly feel like if I'm out there for 17 games plus, you know, I'll do what I need to do. And that's the plan. One of the big question marks of the year, one of the big question marks from last year, and when then you see him hobbling in the middle of a game, you say, oh, here we go again. Randy Gregory and his health. How important is that to the success of the Broncos' defense and the Broncos' overall? Uh, extremely important. You know, the Broncos went and got another big free agent signing, right, this year. There's a, there's a reason why I look at just the last two years what the Broncos have done in free agency. Pay Randy Gregory, pay Zach Allen, pay Ben Powers, pay Mike McGlinchey. They're trying to beef up the offense and defensive line for this football team to control the trenches. Randy Gregory is a guy that his body has just has not held up. The most he's ever played in in a season is 14 games. So if I'm Sean Payton, I know that the player wants to play. I know that he wants to be violent. I know he wants to be out there, but I might have to tailor a plan to get Randy Gregory through the, the long, grueling grind of a season. So instead of saying, hey, you know what? We're paying you $17 million. We want you to play 95% of the snaps. It might be a situation where it's, hey, we're paying you $17 million, but we only need you to play 70% of the snaps because we want you to be available in week 17 because you've never been available before at that time of the year. If you buy the used car, you got to get the maintenance plan on it. Yes, sir. No doubt about it. Oh, never heard that one before. Let me write that one down. <laughs> hey, I'm giving you gems. Hey, that wraps up the morning mixtape. Obviously, there's a ton of ton of stuff to get to, but let's dive a little deeper into the Randy Gregory conversation because I believe that is one worth having. Frank Clark isn't that dissimilar from Randy Gregory, by the way, right? In terms of a older player, yeah. got a little mileage on him, seasoned, a guy you want on your football team, but you also know that you may not have them for 17 games. So how do you manage, right? And you manage that in the preseason. You manage that in September. How do you make sure that they're at their best as much as possible? I, I think the Broncos are in a very amazing situation when it comes to the outside linebacker room. For the fact that Frank Clark is a little bit older. Randy Gregory has had an injury issue, history. But now you get guys like Nick Benito that would at Oklahoma, you know, just, just was used to pass, pass rush, pass rush, right? You know, not, ne- never really p- playing the run. Well, you now you get time to develop Nick Benito, right? Because if you're saying, hey, Frank Clark, you might be only playing like 50% of the snaps for us. Well, you rotate Nick Benito in a little bit more. Hey, Jonathan Cooper, we might want you for first and second down. And and you could get creative. Baron Brown, you're coming off an injury. We want to ease you back into this thing. We don't want you to get shut down. So if I'm the Broncos right now, Kyle, I'm looking at this season, I'm saying Man, we're going to act, have active each and every game at least five outside linebackers. And we're going to go with a heavy rotation with those five guys. Now, you know, Nick Benio might be a third and long guy for us at the start of the year. But you get those opportunities, but you also really help these young guys develop. And that's when you start really 
taken off as a football team because now you could look at a guy like Randy Gregory next year and say, hey, maybe we might not want to keep you around here for that last year of that contract. Maybe we're ready to go in a different direction because we've developed our younger core guys and they're ready to become more full-time guys or, or just play a lot more in the system. It reminds you of the days when there was an embarrassment of riches at the edge rusher, when it was Miller, Doomerville, Sean Phillips came in, paid him a million dollars. You got 10 sacks out of him that mm. year. That was, were you on that team? Yes, sir. He, SP. He, he messed around and, and really made good on that deal, right? So, and, and then Shane Ray and, and, and Shaq Barrett, there was a time where there was just, man, how many, they, they are hitting on all of these guys. Yeah, kind of takes you back. It's been a couple years ago. Remember they traded away Malik Reed, right? Yeah. The outside linebacker room was, was deep. Um, it was exactly what you said, but um, unfortunately the production has not been there. And right now with this defense, with the lack of depth at other positions, I think that the best way to win games and, and have guys at their best is to create a strong rotation. And that's the natural ebb and flow of the NFL. Look, man, there are some things to be excited about. I think edge rusher is one of them, but there's also a cyborg of a running back that is returning back to the lineup this weekend. We'll talk about who that is next when we come back. Denver Sports Station 104.3 The Fan presents The Players Club with Orlando Franklin, Chad Brown, and Nate Jackson. Kyle Reese, Orlando Franklin. I'm sitting in for Nate and Ted. I, 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 don't, I don't know who I'm sitting in for. Bro, you're so good. You're filling in for two. <laughs> those are big shoes to fill. Obviously, those guys are out. Looking forward to getting those guys back. Broncos wrapping up training camp. No longer can the fans go sit on the berm and observe practice. And shout out to all the fans that went out there. Those days were hot, man. Now, I know, listen. Orlando, you got the VIP pass. You get to kick it underneath the tent, right? You get a little mist, a little water, right? There's, the, it's, you know, it's well, cool. Well, under right? what tent? Where, where was the mist at? I didn't see the mist you underneath the tent. There's no mist underneath no, that tent. No, no, maybe it's just not common, folks. I had to bully my way in that tent too. Where's your credentials? Excuse me, I used to play here. <laughs> like, please let me in. Like, like, oh, okay, 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 cool, cool, cool. But I was supposed to be on that hill, and I'm I'm happy you shouting out the fans because Broncos country showed up in a big way, and just sitting out there on that hill can be extremely hot. So shout out to all the fans that did get out there. As a player, you know, being in those shoes and those dog days of camp, you really look forward to seeing the fans. They, they're kind of what keeps you going when you, as Sean Payton said, there is no light at the end of the tunnel. So uh, when you're going through it, like even those when fans you're help it the out. Team, really? <laughs> there even is no when light. You, know you got a spot. Was there ever a time in your career where you were on the on the fringe? No, 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 no. I was always the guy. I always um, felt good about it. Yeah, I was always the guy, fortunately enough. Even like leaving the Chargers, I, I forced my way out of out of San Diego. Okay. It was right after it came down that we were going up to L.A. And then it was like, so you know, like with the NFL, if you relocate and it's over 100 miles, the team has to pay for you to relocate. Like They got to pay for like movers and they got to pay to like transport your cars and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Chargers moved 96 miles. So <laughs> you're on your own. Um, I, was just, I didn't want to do the L.A. lifestyle. Like we had just got pregnant with our first and and I was just like, yeah, you know what? I, I got other opportunities, other places. Tapping so, out. Yeah, I don't want to really do this anymore. Yeah, there, there's a, uh, it's tough no matter what. There are those days where it's just, it drags on you. And, and obviously the fans being there is a huge deal. And shout out again for 
even navigating a new process, right? Having to have a ticket and, and, and going through that. Even the parking situation was different. So mm-hmm. uh, there, the winds have changed have blown at Centura Health out there. And I think a lot of things uh, that are coming along with it are good and positive. Uh, one of the most positive takeaways that we've had from camp is the health and condition of Javante Williams. This has been a pleasant surprise. There's only been one gold standard that you can look at, and I'm afraid to say the name because it was so unique and so just out of the box. And Adrian Peterson and how quickly he came back and then ran for 2,000 yards. Mm. Javante Williams, I don't think that's the expectation or even that would be fair, but this is really remarkable how he's been able to come back and be ready to go. Yeah, no, absolutely. I was shocked when just all off season, kind of hearing how the Broncos brass was talking about Javante and the expectation that he was going to be ready to go for training camp. And, I, you know, I almost thought it was unfair for this young man, the way that they were kind of publicly talking about it. Like, what if there is a setback? But, you know, to Javante's credit with how he approached this process and attacked his rehab, he was ready to go week one of, of training camp. And, you know, he's battled his way throughout training camp and grinded it out when I know that knee feels a little sore on certain days. So good for him. If Kyle Reese says a running back is a cyborg, I believe him. That's a, that's from the nine seven. No, that is a Terminator joke. Mm. Um, Kyle Reese was, I've never seen this movie by the way. Oh, okay. But, but apparently uh, Kyle Reese was one of the main characters on the Terminator. I was born before the movie, but uh, apparently I'm qualified to classify this as a cyborg-like return. I'm really excited to see Javante Williams back. But the question I'm asking myself as I'm driving in, I say, we're really excited. He's dynamic. We saw in the, what I would classify as an outside zone, how dynamic he can be. It it seemed like a really natural fit for him. Yeah. Um, But this has always been a guy who who shared carries, even when you go back to to North Carolina. Yeah, with Carter. Why are we so excited? Because we haven't seen a ton of Javante Williams. It's not like he's a extremely proven commodity. Yeah, I think that when you couple Javante Williams with a coach that's done it for so long, and you look at like how Sean Payton was able to, you know, use that kind of that one-two punch of the Alvin Kamara and the Mark Ingram, where you have you know your hammer and Ingram, and then you have your scalpel and Kamara that could kind of do it all. And just, you know, each and every year, that guy's going to go for over 1,200 all-purpose yards. He's going to have, you know, seven-plus touchdowns. That You get excited with Sean Payton being addled in the room, knowing that, man, if he could create kind of that same setup here with a nice one-two punch, but also give Javante Williams more opportunities in space, man, that's going to be scary. Like, I look at a guy that he was running through tackles at the University of North Carolina. I hated Javante Williams coming out because the famous highlight is of him running through my whole Miami Hurricanes defense, yeah. right? So just running through my alma mater. But you realize that this guy was the truth his rookie year when he led the league in broken tackles as well as a rookie, right? So now you get Sean Payton, a guy that can create space, understands concepts a little bit better, is going to create mismatch. And for me, you know, I'm giddy as heck. I want to see Javante just absolutely get out there in the open field and punish guys because he has the ability to punch them and break those tackles, but he also he can kind of run past the guy. So it's really exciting in my opinion. Like, you 
you you don't get excited thinking about Javante like in in Sean Payton's system. I get that he hasn't really proven anything. He hasn't been a thousand yard rusher. He was very close his rookie year. Last year he gets hurt. But with Sean Payton here, you don't get excited about him. No, no, it, it's not that. It's it's just that again we have seen him in a limited role again with Melvin Gordon. They both had just over two hundred. I believe it was two hundred three a piece his rookie year, and so. We just haven't seen a ton of them. I think everything that you saw is something to be encouraged about, but it's there. There's still some questions left to be answered about how he fits into the NFL. So I, I just want to be objective about it and say, okay, there's this is a growth opportunity along with a return opportunity. There's, you, there's just a ton there. Are you at all concerned with his durability? Because rookie year, right? No. Long, see, you know, you roll in from college, then you sign up with your agent, you go into a, a facility to start doing your pre-draft stuff, then you get drafted, you don't get no time off, and then his rookie year, he's kind of splitting carries right down the middle with Melvin Gordon. And then you see the following year now, he does get banged up. He gets hurt with that ACL. When he's the guy. Yeah. yeah. So um, does durability maybe come into question when you look at Javante? No, no, it doesn't. Um, because this is a bowling ball of a man, by the way. Okay. And, and so is Samaj P. Ryan. And so you ask me things I get excited about, and I'll answer your durability question as well. The toolbox that Sean Payton is able to put together, right? Mm-hmm. Now, I, I go back to the days of like Pierre Thomas, Mark Ingram, Darren Sproles, when he had those guys together, Deuce McAllister was along with that, right? He was able to get the most out of those guys, but it was all a committee-type deal, right? Okay. So I don't know that we're ever going to see the limits of Javante Williams' uh, durability even tested because this is going to be a running back by committee-type system because that's what it's always been under Sean Payton, and I think masterfully so. Mm-hmm. I, I think there's a, a very intentionality about how he's going. Piri's not here by accident, no. right? And they're very much the same type of player to me. So for them to complement each other, and I think this opens the door for a player like Jaleel McLaughlin to be a different type of guy because you have to ask the question, what do you do different from those two guys, nice. right? But do you go in that direction because of your question marks around your football team? Like, do you, is that why you have two running backs, your two starter, your two first guys that are so similar that are the bowling balls that are going to bring the physicality? Are you now of the mindset of, hey, we're going to wear defense down, whether, you know, and run these guys till the wheels fall off in order to open up for Russell Wilson? I, I don't think that would be the wrong approach. Yeah. And I, I wouldn't be mad at them if that was the exact, exact thing that they were trying to accomplish. You know, listen, a face full of Samaj P. Ryan for a quarter and a half, and then you got to deal with Javon, Javante Williams with breakaway speed and then mess around and get J- Jaleel McLaughlin on the edge yeah. for six or seven plays a game. I mean, that could be hell on the defense if it all comes together right. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting because there's days that I wake up and I'm like, this team's going to be a running team. And then there's days that I go out there to practice and wake up and I'm just like, oh, no, like – He's allowing Russ to kind of do some things in the pocket. He is moving the pocket. They might lean on Russ's expertise and, you know, the fact that Russ has played a lot of football. But however it ends up, I think this team is going to, you know, play a brand of football that we haven't seen here in a long time. And I think this team is going to be a lot more physical, a lot more downhill, like the heck with the gimmicks. Yeah, there might be some window dressing with motions and stuff like that. But when it all comes to, when it all is said and done and it's set hut, it's, hey, you know what? We're going to, you know, sit here and try to make you concede. Like, that's what we're going to do that each and every game. And I think that's great for a young football team that is searching for our identity, that is trying to change the culture as well. I, I, I remember, you watched the program. Yeah. Snot bubbles, baby. 
right? <laughs> <laughs> and you've got to lean in and enjoy that type of approach, right? You're a, you're a former offensive lineman, right? Yeah. We, we're trying to knock snot bubbles out of their nose. I remember when I first came in the league, man, where, you know, you, you get here in the NFL and all of a sudden he's like, yeah, you made it. And I just remember thinking like, okay, I know my mentality. And my mentality has always been, listen, when all else fails, I'm just going to be as physical as possible. And I will make you tap out because I'm just bigger, faster, and stronger than you. And I remember going against Vaughn and the Elvises and all these different guys and struggling in the past game because it was a diff- I was playing on the right side. I'd never played right side before. Like it changes, you know, how, which hand your dominant hand and how you play the game. So I was trying to figure things out in the passing game. But every time we called a run play in the huddle, I smiled a little bit because now I got to show my natural talents. Javante Williams has some natural talents when it comes to the physicality that this game needs that people absolutely rant and rave about. And I think Sean Payton is going to be able to, you know, showcase those talents 80% of the time. Or we've probably only seen those talents maybe 20 to 30% of the time since Javante's been in the NFL. You can look at what they're doing in the tight end room and, and see the intentionality there. And we'll talk about that on the other side. But before we get to that, it's been heartbreaking to watch the news coming out of Maui. That's a place that's near and dear to my heart. Obviously, folks in Colorado have a connection to the the terrible damage that wildfires can do. Our company, Bonneville, has launched a fundraiser to help the people of Maui. I would encourage you to contribute in any way that you can, be it big or small. Go to denversports.com, and at the top of the page, you'll see a link to the Bonneville Maui Strong Fire Relief Fund. 100% of those donations will go to the Hawaii Community Foundation serving Maui. That place, Lahaina, I don't know if you've ever been there. Beautiful place, and obviously a lot of history that... Our country is lost, and so if you can contribute to that, I would encourage you to do so. Again, that's Bonneville Maui Strong Fire Relief Fund at denversports.com. We'll talk about the tight end situation on the other side of the break. It's Kyle Reese, Orlando Franklin, in the Players Club.